0: Welcome back, quick brain. So this is an important episode. I think all our episodes are important because we look for important topics to discuss with you. This is on the subject of happiness and really how do you thrive? What are the essential ingredient or the essential ingredient for having a a good brain, a good life, one you desire and one that you really deserve? You know, If you're going to invest in your future best self and and be limitless, where where are you gonna put your time? Where are you gonna put your resources? Where are you gonna put your effort? Uh, Again, not only to survive but also to thrive in your health and your happiness. And so, on, on the show today, we have Dr. Robert Waldinger. He's a psychiatrist. He's professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He's also a Zen priest. If I was to read his CV, it would take up the entire twenty-minute episode. <laughs> and he directs the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and this is one of the longest-running studies of adult life ever conducted he also has an amazing top 10 ted talk we will link to that if you haven't seen it always in the show notes at jimquick.com forward slash notes and he's the new co-author of a brand new book which i highly recommend all our quick readers get their copy it's called the good life this is lessons from the world's longest scientific study of happiness professor welcome
1: Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. And so I so enjoyed your book. So what is it that keeps us happy and healthy as we go through life? Is it fame? Is it money? Well,
1: and we had some famous people in our study. We had some wealthy people and then lots of regular people who weren't either. But we found that fame and money didn't predict happiness at all. And what predicted happiness surprised us. It was the quality of our relationships. And it wasn't just happiness that it predicted, but it also predicted our health, like whether we stay healthy as we get older. And it predicted how long we live. And at first, we didn't even believe it because we thought, how could our relationships be that important for our bodies as well as our minds? But it turns out they're really important.
0: When we're talking about relationships, is this your romantic relationship, your marriage, your partnership, or is it extend to family, friends, work colleagues?
1: It's all of those relationships. It you do not have to have a romantic partner to get the benefits of relationships. You don't even have to live with anyone to get these benefits. It can be friends, relatives. And we even get little hits of well-being from the person who delivers our mail, from the barista who gives us our coffee in the morning. Lots of relationships do this for us.
0: So, when we when we talk about optimizing brain health, and people are on their way to having more limitless brain, we'd say that it's not just your biological networks or your neurological networks; it's also your your social networks, your social connections.
1: Absolutely. And it turns out that social isolation and loneliness predict worse health, but they also predict worse brain health. They predict earlier cognitive decline, earlier dementia. So these are really our relationships and our engagement socially with the world is really important as a factor in our brain health and in our body health as well.
0: And I know mental health is, you know, is one of the big challenges, you know, especially over the past few years. I read a, a, a quote in an interview that you had from you saying the people who are most satisfied in their relationship at age fifty were actually the healthiest at age eighty. And so, yeah. what what do you attribute? I mean, this study is going on to close to eighty five years, which is amazing. <laughs> I know. But tell me a little bit about this study and and what you found.
1: Sure. So about forty of the original 724 people are still living. They're all in their late 90s or early 100s. Most have passed away, but we're studying all their children as well. And their children are mostly baby boomers. So altogether over 2000 people.
0: That's astonishing. What were some of the highlights that you've seen or some of the surprises maybe from from this long study?
1: We think that this works through relieving stress we think that good relationships are actually stress relievers so i'll give you an example if something happens to me during the day it's and it's upsetting i can feel my body start to rev up go into fight or flight mode right heart rate increases i might start to sweat and fight or flight mode is the body's natural way of meeting challenges that's not a problem. We're meant to go back to our baseline equilibrium when the threat is removed. But what if I'm still upset at the end of the day? If I have somebody who's a good listener who I can call or somebody at home who I can talk to, I can literally feel my body calm down, go back to equilibrium. But what we think happens is that people who don't have anyone they can talk to about upsetting events, stay in chronic fight or flight mode. And that means higher levels of circulating stress hormones. That means low levels of chronic inflammation that gradually break down body systems. And so we think that good relationships protect us from that chronic fight or flight mode that that breaks down the body.
0: It, when, we, when we get stressed, and especially chronic stress, we know shrinks the human brain, it's, uh, we create cortisol and adrenaline if we don't have, you know, ways of coping with stress and managing that stress. So what would you recommend that, where would people start? You know, if people were starting fresh or they, maybe they moved to a new area um, and they don't have those, maybe those social bonds yet at work or in their neighborhood or in their, in their, in their spiritual connection, you know, at the, maybe a church or something like that. Yeah.
1: So if you, if you don't have the connections yet, That's a really important question. Where would you start? Probably the best place to start is to think about things that you care about, things you love to do, causes that you might care about, and try to do those things that you care about alongside other people. So it might be volunteering in your community for something that really matters to you. It might be joining a club, joining a gardening club, joining a bowling league, or a biking group or a walking club but doing something that you care about where you're likely to meet the same people again and again because what happens then is you have a shared interest and that's a natural place to start up conversations and what we know is that when You have a reason to start up casual conversations, and then you see that person again, you're more likely to deepen the conversations and in that way over time, build relationships.
0: Now, does it matter, you know, as our listeners are, are, are kind of seeing themselves in, in this research, does it matter how old someone is or what your stage or life cycle? Does it matter if they're married or if we've done a couple episodes, including with Susan Kane about introvert, extrovert? Can anyone make positive turns in, in their life?
1: Yes. We had people tell us I'm no good at relationships. I can't do this. I'll never have good relationships. It's too late for me. Some of the people who said it was too late for them were in their 20s. And yet what we find, you know, we we have a lot of life stories in the book where we, we tell the stories of people's lives all the way through their lives. And we have many instances where people who were sure it was too late for them, found communities later in life, found communities when they didn't expect it, found love when they didn't expect it, sometimes for the first time in their 70s or 80s. So the message is, if you think it's too late for you, that's not necessarily true at all.
0: Talking about a happiness, it's, it's interesting because at a very early age, it's almost imprinted on us. You go to a child and say, what do you want to be when you're an adult or when you grow up? Or at business gatherings or you're at a wedding or something people like one of the first questions people ask is what do you do and right. success is more measured on on someone's title on their salary on on some kind of recognition or achievement and so this is such an important topic to discuss to kind of really maybe make the most important things the most important things right right After beginning yeah. with the end in mind
1: yeah. Well, and it, and what we did was when people were toward the end of their lives, like some of our original people in when they were in their 80s, we said, as you look back on your life, what do you regret the most and what are you proudest of? And what people regretted the most was not spending enough time with the people they cared about. Many people said, I spent too much time working and not enough time with the people who mattered to me. And when we ask people what Mm -hmm. they were proudest of, as they look back on their lives, they always mentioned relationships. It wasn't, I made this great amount of money, or I got this great award. It was, I was a good boss. I was a good mentor. I was a good spouse. I was a good parent, right? I was a good friend. And so when people think about what's been most important in their lives, it's always relationships.
0: In my book, I talk about how technology, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's like fire. It's fire. It's, it could cook your food or it could maybe, you know, burn down your home. It's just really how it's utilized. We talk about some of the like, digital distraction, digital dementia, these terms. Like I, I coined that yeah. digital delusion, digital deduction in terms of how it's doing the thinking and the work for us, but also going back to that comparison, digital depression you know, and, and you've mentioned in your work, and I don't know if I'm quoting you directly, but where we're comparing our insides to other people's outsides.
1: Yeah, exactly. That, that, You know when we curate our lives for each other right i mean we you know on social media we post our happy photos our beautiful photos we i don't post the photos where i've woken up depressed Mm -hmm. or you know feeling really lost or just looking disheveled i don't do that we don't do that for each other and that's that's okay but but what it means is that i can look at somebody else's social media posts and say gosh my life isn't always like that. I'm not always on beautiful beaches or about to dive into beautiful plates of food. That's not my life. And and even though rationally we know that, it can be this sense of, gosh, I'm missing out. I don't have it figured out. And so I think what we want to name is that nobody's life is really like that. That that's what that's what comparing our insides to other people's outsides is about. And and so we wanna remember that everybody's insides are filled with joy and heartache and messiness and confusion, <laughs> all of it.
0: And that is it important that we have those? I mean, you're not you're not saying that we should be happy all the time, right? No. Not at all.
1: Not at all. We can't be happy all the time. And and that's useful to name because it's easy to imagine that if I'm not happy all the time, I'm not doing something right. And that's not the truth of life. The truth of life is that happiness comes and goes. And that what we can do is build a kind of bedrock of bell, of well-being. And that's, you know, that we can build through taking care of our physical health. That we can build by taking care of our Social fitness, as we call it in the book, taking care of our relationships, that that can build a bedrock of well-being that helps us meet life's challenges. It won't promise that we'll be happy all the time, but it will promise that we will meet challenges with more help and and more equanimity when they come along
0: going back to the digital depression where the comparison sometimes on social media the grass is greener because of the filter people are using right? yeah and there's a lot of artificial turf out out there you know when you're comparing your life to the, the highlight trailer as, as as we've heard of other people's of other people's lives i don't know if you've compared you know and your research has informed anything about you know how diet compares to social connections, you know, in terms of the some of the benefits because we hear a lot about eating right foods right and, and moving and exercise and and we should do that, certainly, yes, but how important in the scale of things is connections and relationships
1: they're really important. so there's been some work by my colleague Julianne Holt Lundstad, where she, from the science estimated how how bad it is for your health to be socially isolated and to be lonely. And she found that it's about as bad for your health to be lonely or isolated as it is to smoke half a pack of cigarettes a day or to be obese. So these have huge health consequences. That means that social connection has the opposite effects. It's, it's health promoting in those ways.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And so as, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to make sure everybody gets their copy of the book. You know, again, this book is called The Good Life. And you know, if you were to kind of share something, something practical, or I know you're yeah. on a mission and you want to get yeah. this out to so many people. What are are some of the key ideas? Why did you write the book? So I think the the key
1: idea that made us write the book is this idea that we can be more active in taking care of our relationships. That rather than what I used to think in my 20s, which was, oh, my relationships will take care of themselves. My good friends are always going to be my friends. It turns out that perfectly good relationships wither away from neglect. So The practical thing we can do is just to keep reaching out, to keep the connections alive. So you could do this right now after you've listened to this episode, right? You could think about somebody you miss or you haven't seen enough or you just want to say hi to. Just write them a text right now or an email. Just say, you know, I was just thinking of you and wanted to say hi. That's all you have to do. And then watch what comes back. And what you will see is much more often than not, people will be thrilled that you reached out. And it might even lead to having a cup of coffee or making a date to have dinner or whatever it might be. But you will find that if you you take active small steps every day or every week to take care of your relationships, it will have big payoff.
0: I love that. So that's everyone's challenge right now. Remember that knowledge by itself is not power. You know, knowledge... More times action and application really leads to, to a good life. And so make sure you make the decision. I encourage everybody take a moment, 60 seconds to, to pull out your phone and, and send that message to that person that comes top of mind. You know, who's somebody that's special to you? Maybe there's been a little bit of distance of time or space and send them a note. And again, you never know. One step in another direction can completely change your destination and there's a big ripple butterfly effect. Thank you so much for for joining us. How do people get your book? How how do they people find out more?
1: You can order it on our website, thegoodlifebook.com. You can go to Barnes and Noble, Amazon. I would love to see people read the book and hopefully benefit from some of what science has told us about the power of connection
0: absolutely everyone right now make sure you send a message or voicemail or for FaceTime you know reach out and, and connect you know with mental health challenges especially around loneliness you know sometimes if we're alone we're alone with our thoughts we're alone with our doubts we're alone with our fears and one of the best ways is to be able to mitigate that is to be able to connect you know with with one individual and I recommend everyone be able to do that and take a screenshot of this and and make sure you share it tag us both there. And again, Professor, thank you so much for joining thank, us
1: today. Thank you. This was a pleasure. Really all appreciate right. your having me.
0: I want to thank you to all our listeners once again. One of the best things you can do is share this episode. Make sure you rate it if you can. Leave a review. I love the reviews. We read every single one, every single day. That's how our team starts our day. And until our next episode, be limitless, everybody. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you wanna go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I wanna invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your limitless book club where every single month we read a book together. Uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice,